This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. The show that started the repeal and replace Randy Orton movement. Top Rope Nation is on the air this week. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Ryan Drosty, editor-in-chief of TopRopePress.com, joined here by my two co-hosts. Number one, he's got new technology this week. He's going to sound professional. He's got a nice warm voice to come through the microphone this week. Justin Joy, what's going on, Justin? Oh, yeah. Sounding professional, but still talking mostly nonsense. <laughs> and also joining us this week, Kyle Ross. I think he's wearing pants this week. I saw a full body shot a couple of minutes ago. Kyle, what's going on over there in yeah. Cleveland, Ohio? Well, I don't know. It's kind of breezy under the desk. But, you know, <laughs> is it bad that I didn't really realize that Justin wasn't using a traditional mic this whole time? Is that bad? I'm well, guessing you, that's because you don't listen to me. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, Kyle, I don't think you listen to the podcast after we post it and gets all edited and stuff. If, if you listen to it back, you can tell. He, his, his previous mic, it sounded like a little tinny little light compared to ours now his voice sounds full and beautiful oh okay <laughs> like it was meant to be uh, that's like right in english oh that's a good comparison <laughs> which yeah. is an underrated gimmick by the way can i just be the free? I'm, I'm jumping on that train i always like to get out in front of the uh internet wrestling community and things aiden english underrated uh undercard gimmick there with the singing much better than that dead in the water vaudevillain shit he was doing before <laughs> You better watch your mouth because Justin Joint is a big time, or he was a big time Vaudevillains fan. Yeah, I was actually planning on touching on the Vaudevillains when we got to uh, SmackDown later. Oh, the Vaudevillains! You're gonna yeah. die on that hill. Oh no! Heck yeah, I am. There was so much they could have done with that, and they just didn't. I don't know. I remember the first time I saw NXT live, I was like, "Okay, this is mildly amusing. It has zero chance of getting over on the main roster." That's that because, being a villain's gimmick. That's because they gave them nothing. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was a nothing gimmick. <laughs> okay, is. that's it. I'm, I'm going to talk about it now. Sorry, Ryan. All right, go ahead. <laughs> I, my, this is my problem and why I think the VOD villains could have worked. All they needed was the little, uh, what they did with uh, Brizongo this week. Just that perfect segment with the humor and everything. And they, all they had to do with VOD villains was something like that. They kind of did it back in NXT with... Uh, when they're doing the Lucha Underground, or, or excuse me, the Lucha Dragons. And like, they have these old-timey skits. Yeah, so Lucha they, Underground. Yeah, that was my bad. Um, <laughs> but they, they, 
just, these guys are living in these characters. There's no way they couldn't have come up with something interesting to film and uh, help get these guys over, help the, make these characters more uh, uh, thought out. Yeah, I, I liked the Vaudevillains gimmick in uh, NXT quite a bit. I love the old time feel. Of, I love the entrance, uh, but I also thought that it wasn't going to work on the main roster. It just I don't know. It didn't. It didn't. Uh, it didn't have the feel of something that would survive in front of twenty thousand people as much as I liked it in full sail. Yeah. Uh, to Justin's point, they they did do them no favors. Creative. I mean, they didn't even like try to push them. Um, there was that moment remember when they i think it was like their first pay-per-view it was about a year ago when they injured enzo remember that it was the show oh, yeah. yeah yeah and i get that okay it's everything's very scripted out and very structured in wwe nowadays but man they could have like made they didn't even like try to make an angle out of that like that's something that 10 20 years ago is just a lock for an angle you have the vaude villains bragging about it you know i mean they could have done i think i even mentioned this on the show once with you ryan when we first started this like they could have like done the owen 316 gimmick remember mm -hmm. you know when he like after he missed time the pile driver which was like a really serious issue but they turned it into a gimmick i mean they could have done that and they didn't even do that but bottom line is more singing for made in english doesn't miss yeah. simon gotch I, I i did love that and I, i'm okay with uh aiden english uh singing and crying because if anybody can get crying over it's him <laughs> Guys, you never know what you're going to find when you tune into Top Rope Nation. We start off the show talking about the VOD villains and Aiden English. Yeah. <laughs> One thing you are going to get every week, as I let off tonight with, our crusade against Randy Orton and his terrible takes on Twitter. So if you didn't check out our last show, by the way, it was two weeks ago. Sorry we weren't with you last week. Had some scheduling conflicts. Usually this is a weekly show. That's kind of a one-off. But uh, yeah, check it out on podbean.com, iTunes. Check it out on YouTube, the video version. On YouTube, we have a clever graphic where it says the people versus Randy Orton. I think you'll enjoy it. So we had a good show two weeks ago, but uh, we got a lot on deck tonight. First of all, I want to say uh, if you are listening on iTunes, though, go ahead, hit subscribe, leave us a rating, helps out the show. And uh, also patreon.com slash top rope nation where you can fund the show for a dollar a month, help support our growth. Um, so, guys, it's been, let's see, this is Thursday night. So, it's been four days since payback. Um, we did not do a live cast after the show, but I know we're pretty much in agreement that we all thought it was an excellent pay per view. Uh, probably the best pay-per-view of the brand the new brand only era i would say i thought it was, Ooh, it was the best i don't know about that no i i think so certainly the best raw pay-per-view although i guess they did have some smackdown talent on the show but technically a raw pay-per-view so it was well it was weird because there was no blow away match but i mean to be honest, the, the main event on raw was better than any individual match um on the pay-per-view but I think everything was largely booked well. The only thing, and, and you know, everyone's going to agree on this, that was kind of, um, you know, not good was the House of Horrors. But going in, you expected it. And to be honest with you, I had such low expectations going in. I wound up not being that turned off by the whole scenario, even like the pre-tape. Like I was expecting disaster with the pre-tape. And I was like, all right, it's just kind of a goofy brawl. And, and they did what they needed to do. At the end, which was have Mahal interfere and set up the title match. Well, I mean, it was already booked, but, you know, just add more heat to the backlash title match. Did you guys see where you can buy the house they shot that in for like $36,000 mm -hmm. or something like yeah. that? It's outside of Kansas City. So, yeah. 
I don't know. I thought I thought that match did kind of kill the crowd live a little bit. Was it Joe and Rollins that went on right after that? I kind of I kind of felt like that was a really good match, but the crowd was kind of like out of it after watching this uh, goofy House of Horrors thing on the screens for the previous fifteen minutes. I was wondering what they were going to put in the so-called death spot there. Um, I thought they did okay though, Rollins and Joe, all things considered. In that yeah. spot. Yeah, I do. But would you agree that the crowd was a little bit out of it for what you yeah, would expect? Yeah, a little bit. But I didn't think it was like to the degree that some people thought it was. Like, I didn't think it was. Um, there were things that on this show that, um, okay, when you like look at it like in the classic sense, like, okay, oh, God, whatever matches has to be between the House of Horrors is going to suck. It's going to be a disaster. Eh, it didn't really happen that way. Like, I like, yeah, the crowd was brought down, but you know, I, I think Rollins Joe was still okay, all things considered. Um, maybe I wasn't expecting that much of, of those two actually, anyway. Um, and you know, beating Bailey in her hometown, usually that's something we all get up in arms about. Um, and, and you know, it is a McMahon doctrine that I don't agree with overall, uh, but I don't think it killed the crowd in this instance like it sometimes does. No, with Bailey losing in San Jose, I thought I thought the I thought it was fine, and then Alexa was tremendous the next night on Raw. You mean you're not giving it the the Dave Meltzer treatment, where he wrote in the Observer this week that that killed the crowd, Bailey losing? Yeah, I mean he's yeah I thought he was being too harsh. I just I would because you know congratulations to him. He, he was at Cauliflower Alley and just got an award. Um, the Observer was late, which is rare in a day, and I was just combing through it, and I man, I, I just felt like I was watching a different payback than he did. Reading uh, his thoughts on the show yeah justin let's get your take here uh what what did you think of the show do you agree with me that it was maybe the best uh brand pay-per-view of the new brand split era or i would i'd have to go back and take a look at stuff but i would say it's definitely up there it's one of the best it it was uh really good from beginning to end the the house of horrors match was not great although going in i was probably most intrigued about the ending of that match than i was any other match if only because uh I didn't understand how either one of those guys would be able to win that match. It was like, it was a paradox to me. I fully expected that during the finish, the universe would collapse upon itself and all life would cease to exist. And, <laughs> and the reason for that was there, I thought there was three major reasons why there was going to be no way either Bray Wyatt or Randy Orton could win that match. Uh, for one, for Bray, the chances of a champion winning dropped dramatically in a non-title match. So that almost assured him of winning. The fact that he's a Raw superstar versus a SmackDown superstar. Raw's still the flagship show, so I thought that guaranteed him. But then Randy had one major thing in his favor was that this was the blow-off match in a feud that includes Bray Wyatt, so that almost guaranteed him victory. But I, I should have known that the the answer to breaking the laws of the universe is uh, Jinder Mahal. Yeah, I actually thought Cheers, that was Jinder Mahal. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I thought that was the right finish, what they did completely um and it was what i guessed because you know i'm like you know like all right you're gonna you know it's funny they have this doctrine now where the guy leaving the brand it's kind of like he's leaving a territory even though he's just staying on wwtv just a different show loses right i mean we saw that with ambrose against corbin uh he lost and then kevin owens lost his final raw match to ambrose before coming over but um so, yeah, that was working against Wyatt in that normally the guy leaving the brand 
um, loses. But this was a Raw pay per view, and you did, and you couldn't send Wyatt in cold off a loss to Raw. You just couldn't. So it it, it made sense to have Mahal interfere and and build heat to that title match at Backlash. Yeah, we we were talking off air a few minutes ago, and uh, whether or not Jinder Mahal has a chance to win the belt at Backlash, and I can't remember. I, yeah, Kyle. Kyle said you think there's a, a decent chance it might actually happen. So I'm looking at that show. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I don't see any of the other titles changing hands, which is what made me think. I don't think Brazongo is going to beat the Usos. I don't think uh, they're going to change the women's title, if there even is a women's title match. That hasn't been announced. But um, I could see them doing Naomi versus Carmella because Carmella just pinned Naomi on Tuesday. So I don't see them doing a change there. I don't see them changing the U.S. title belt again with Owens just you know dropping it and winning it. So you know all these brand-only pay-per-views, they usually change one of the titles, and that leaves just the one. And you talk about the paradox, Justin. With this match, they've got another one because it's like, okay, well, do you really want to put Jinder over? But at the same time, if you beat him, well, what do you do with him then? Because you know you've got such a limited amount of time here that if he loses decisively, I mean, do you risk kind of just killing him? Mm-hmm. And they have plans for him, so I mean, it's not like he's going to go away either way. So you I don't think, know. It's it's interesting. I, th- I think there's a good chance he could win. You think they have plans for him, and or he's just a, a stepping stone, a transition to get Randy to his next feud. I kind of thought that at first. I mean, they definitely have plans with me here about the indie expansion. Uh, you know, that's part of it. But it, I think he's going to stay a player on SmackDown just because they have no heels. I mean, he you you cannot make an argument that he's any lower than the number three heel on that brand. I mean, you've got Kevin Owens and Baron Corbin. That's it. That's the only other guys you can put above him. Yeah. When, when's Rusev coming back? Another month? Well, I mean, he's going to kick in for money in the bank because um, he's getting the title shot. It'll be interesting to see how he's brought back, though. I mean, is he going to be brought back as a heel? I mean, I guess... It was kind of a heelish promo we cut, but yeah, that and that gives more credence, gives more credence to Randy Orton keeping the title and yes, which is what I thought. But then, man, I mean, are we going to have all four champions really retain at Backlash? I don't know. I would find it hard to believe he could actually win the title, knowing Vince McMahon and his booking. But at the same time, it would be it would make SmackDown a lot more interesting if he had the belt. I think. I mean, I like what they're doing with them. I like the Bollywood boys, um, Randy Orton as we've talked about a lot on the show, is a pretty vanilla champion. Not a lot of excitement with him holding the belt. And I think... Although I thought that match, we didn't have a chance to talk about it because we didn't show last week. The match he had with Eric Rowan, granted it was no DQ. So, you know, when it's a gimmick match like that, it kind of just, you know, it can take a vanilla performer and make him more exciting. I thought that match was okay. It was, it was, it was actually pretty good with Rowan. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's the end game with Randy Orton here with the title, though? Because, I mean, are we are we yes. thinking they go back to AJ with the belt? And if they do go back to AJ with the belt, who is turning face and basically a full-on baby face at this point, don't they want to have a heel in between? My So, Corbin is the rumored Money in the Bank winner. And that makes sense. Yeah. I envisioned it. Let's say Orton retains. I envisioned that there w- he would lose. And if you want to put some nuclear heat on Corbin, 
you would have him, you know, beat AJ or dare I say a Nakamura to, you know, like right after. Like, you know, either AJ or Nakamura beats Orton and you have Corbin immediately cash in on him. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if he, if Corbin, like, in a, if, if they, let's just, I'm just throwing hypotheticals out of here. I don't know anything. Let's say they did Orton Nakamura at SummerSlam. Nakamura beats Orton for the title. And Corbin comes right out with the briefcase and cashes it on him and just ruins the celebration. I mean, that's a good way to get over Ooh. Corbin as a heel. That's hot. I, I like that. I like that idea. I'm, I'm on board for that. Yeah, I mean, and AJ would probably work in that role too. I don't know. Um, what's interesting with SmackDown is I have no idea what the long, long view is. I mean, with Raw, we know what you know they've got Lesnar and Reigns kind of in their pocket. Um, SmackDown doesn't have that. Um, to me, AJ versus Nakamura is something you hold off and do on at WrestleMania. Yeah. I think I, I like that idea you have for SummerSlam. If it was me, I would probably do it with AJ rather than Nakamura because AJ's already had the title run. I feel like, yeah, with Nakamura, I, I wouldn't want to see him get played like that the first time he gets a main roster world but that, title. That's what it would serve to do is give well, him a lot yeah, of sympathy. Yeah, I know yeah. that. But I also feel like uh, as as far as Nakamura goes, it might have kind of a, a negative effect on him. I'd, ra- could, I'd, rather, it I'd rather it be with AJ. It could be the wrong to like... There was something I was thinking of because, like, you know, when I say it, like, in the, you know, in the classic sense, in the in the old way of booking, yes, it would do that nuclear heat. But you, in the modern sense, there is a risk of just pissing people off by doing that, and it, it draws the wrong kind of heat. There was something. There was another match on Payback where I was, I watched it with a buddy, and I was talking about that. Oh, the Aries Neville thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like. <laughs> I don't know last time you guys watched like old wrestling, like for the eighties. I, I actually just, I had an old prime time on. It was the Rougeau's and the heart foundation. I think it was. And the Rougeau's were challenged for the tag title. So this was like early 87 and, and they won by a DQ, but the crowd was like really excited. And the announcer's like, but just a reminder, titles can only change hands by pinfall or submission. <laughs> and the 1987 WWE crowd's like, Oh man, that's right. Well, like if you fast forward to 2017, they do the same thing with Aries and Neville, right? And the crowd's like, fuck this. <laughs> like, you know, it doesn't have like, it's kind of like Vince, I still think in his mind is like, yeah, I'm going to get that reaction. Like, you know, in 1980, so the crowd's going to like be like, yeah, Aries has won it. And they're going to be, then they're going to be so just like, oh, shucks when they remember that DQ rule. But no, <laughs> they, they know it. That's kind of played out 30 years later. Yeah, it just puts heat on the booker, not really the the heel. Yeah. So you guys, so well, I don't know about Justin, Kyle. You don't think Breezango has a chance at winning the tag belts? No, I, I think that it's funny. Both tag divisions right now on Raw and SmackDown, the challengers I think are just kind of placeholders because Cesaro and Sheamus turning heel, which I liked it a lot. I don't think that happens if the revival's not hurt. If if, if um, Wilder's if Wilder's uh, jaw isn't broken. Mm-hmm. And then over on SmackDown, I don't think Brizango gets this opportunity if New Day wasn't hurt. If Kofi Kingston, Kofi Kingston. Yeah, so I, like I, I kind I of would love to see Brizango win, but I, I think they're going to hold off for uh, the Uggos and New Day. Yeah, I think Brizango's fun, but there's a difference between like being over and like being able to like draw in that championship role. And, and 
I mean, realistically, no one draws the tag team champions at WWE, but. Not to mention they've been playing hot potato with those tag titles on SmackDown too. Well, yeah, and they've been really de-emphasized. I, I just think Brazongo isn't. It's a good opening match act on the house shows, and I enjoy it, but I don't see them as the champions. Yeah, you. One thing I would say though is. Uh... With uh, if Brizongo won the titles and they went into the feud with the New Day, you could have some pretty damn entertaining television segments with those two. Yeah, that actually would well, be. Well, you very can still epic. do it. I mean, yeah, I mean that's the thing with Brizongo. I mean, you can still have them be entertaining and not be the champions. Yeah, I, I would like it as a tag title feud, but mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see. Um, I did want to touch on too again uh, what happened at Payback with the women's title because they followed that up on Raw with the opening segment with Alexa Bliss and the whole coronation thing. Um, I know, so Justin and I watched the show together. I know we were both on board having Alexa win the belt in that match. I'm not sure where Kyle stood in that perspective, but my feeling going in is that Bailey as the champion is just not, it's, it's weird to say she's just not a good champion. Like the, the whole character of Bailey is the chaser. Like she's better chasing yes, the yes. title than as a champion. Yeah. I mean, and she didn't, I mean, how long was she champion down at NXT? Because they took mm-hmm. it off or they had Asuka beat her. So it was August to the WrestleMania weekend. I mean, that's a pretty decent chunk of change, actually. Um, no, I was for it. I mean, clearly they brought Alexa over with the intent, um, you know, to ma- make her the champion. I mean, you know, I think we had talked about it last time we did a show. Well, if Alexa doesn't win, what do you do with her then? Yeah. I mean, she's uh, essentially in the Charlotte position now. Yeah. Yes. I, I- I told uh, Ryan on Sunday that Bailey is uh, early '90s Sting. He, he should just be. Uh, she should just be chasing the title. <laughs> yeah, table that, table that table a Sting comparison with a, a WWE female because I'm going to come back to that. <laughs> Believe it or not, that will not be the first time that a current member of the WWE women's roster is compared to Sting on this on this program. Um. <laughs> No, I, I think it was the right call. I, I mean, I think you looked Alexa, and I loved, loved, loved the interview on Talking Smack, or not talk, whatever Raw Talk, um, where she was like, you know, all I hear about is this four horse women. Well, I'm the f- first one who's won the title on Raw and SmackDown. I thought that was great, mm-hmm. and I've got to come back to it. I know I've mentioned it before. Man, where would Alexa Bliss be if Eva Marie had never gotten suspended? <laughs> wow, yeah, I'm mean, talking about. I mean, you don't see this that often in modern WWE. I mean, you used to see it all the time where like, eh, something unforeseen would happen and it would have an, you know, kind of a weird cause and effect type deal. You don't see that really WWE nowadays. Um, you know, in, but with Alexa Bliss, that's certainly the case. I mean, this is kind of a, she, you know, she got an opportunity that wasn't supposed to be there, I think. And she's made the most of it. My hat's off to her. You said it doesn't happen very often. The biggest example, and that's true, the biggest example I can think of is, you know, where it would have Steve Austin been if uh, the click incident at MSG didn't happen in Triple H. Exactly, exactly. Or or what if Shawn Michaels hadn't lost his smile in 97 and they do Brett and Shawn at that WrestleMania like they were supposed to. And that was the plan for a year. Yeah, so we're not not saying Alexa Bliss is Triple H or Steve Austin here, but... uh, yeah, she she has been I th- I think the biggest winner overall of the brand split because nobody yeah. saw this Strowman. coming. Well, yeah, Strowman I guess, but nobody if you if you're looking at titles, 
Okay, she has won both titles now, and yes. nobody even saw her as a women's champion going in. Probably, it, it, you know, it's a it's a good kind of gimmick for her to have it, and you know, the whole Raw Women's Division that was a great opening thirty minutes. They have, they, I mean, they gave them thirty minutes to open that show, and it was good. Not only the talking segment, but the match. Um, man, I don't know. You know, with Sasha and Alicia Fox, I don't know who decided to like. They could like. They were like going for like brawl of the year there or something like that. I don't know if you caught that. It went for like a minute, but man, it was like one of the best brawl, like the like some of the best brawling you've seen on WWE TV in a long time. I'm not even lying. Well, after that opening segment, I'm just ready for that WrestleMania moment when uh, Alexa Bliss body slams Nia Jax like Hulk Hogan and Andre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was gonna say I think the big question is now what about the Sasha Banks heel turn? I was that, just gonna I was just thinking about that. I think Sasha is just kind of skating by right now. She's just not really a factor at all. Uh, well, you know what I, though, when Alexa came up to her, like that was something I noted. Alexa came up to her in that segment. They were the crowd was hot for that. The crowd was absolutely hot for an Alexa Bliss Sasha Banks match. Yeah, I think I think she has to turn though. I but I I think you hold it off till closer to SummerSlam and make that yeah like, i mean yeah, i mean go with sasha and yeah, then the other a lot of tags right now oh um bliss and nia jacks against bailey and sasha mm-hmm. and that's the other problem a lot of that. if you turn sasha who's the other face of the other baby face of raw women's yeah it's almost like either you know bailey or sasha has to be the champion to make that work you're right yeah yeah you don't want to turn sasha when you've got the heel champion i don't think so um, let's see. Anything else from the fallout? I guess you know we had Reigns, we had Strowman, had a pretty good match. Um, there's yeah, been a lot of heat great. on those guys oh. this week for a picture taken in Europe. <laughs> a lot of crap made about that. That uh, I know we're all in agreement. It's not really that big of a deal, but maybe we should talk about it. If if you didn't see it, uh, they're on tour in Europe right now. There was a picture posted. Was it on Instagram? Uh, by Dude, I, saw it, I saw it on Twitter. Okay, Tyrus O'Neill posted a picture. Um, it might have been like the Roman Coliseum or something. I'm not sure where it was. Um, but uh, yeah, Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, Matt Hardy, Curtis Axel, uh, Titus was there. They're all standing, you know, taking a group shot. And everyone's like, kayfabe is dead. You got Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns in the same picture. Didn't kayfabe die like 30 years ago? Oh, my God. And like the we're adults we know these people have lives outside of wrestling the only people you'd have to be worried about seeing this picture are little kids and they're probably too busy playing with toys or video games they're the only ones who should be upset about that kind of picture grow up should be on instagram yeah i don't yeah i don't even think that kids would be upset it's funny i noticed the picture um and i looked at it so no nice picture okay that's fun and i just i didn't even think about the kayfabe element like it's just something that didn't like I mean, that's because you're a clear thinking adult, Kyle. Yeah, I mean, I guess the argument against it, I, I get it. I just don't think it matters. There was a, I'll say this, there was a time when that would have been like disastrous. I just think that the time has, times have changed and you could make an argument, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's just, I, I don't think it's a big deal. There's a lot of reasons 
you know, things WWE could do better. I don't think, you know, assigning babyface and heel hotels like Bill Watts used to is yeah, this, this is a different era. This isn't like hacksaw and sheet getting busted riding together for with cocaine. <laughs> cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> yeah, the time this would have been disastrous, we were all toddlers. I mean, yeah. And that was, I mean, the WWE, it's kind of funny. They did react pretty well. They were like, oh, it was like kind of embarrassing because like uh, the newspaper articles are like, oh, these guys are supposed to be feuding, doing a USA Iran gimmick. And look, they're doing cocaine in the car together. <laughs> By the way, how great would it have been if Jim Duggan was doing coke off the two by four <laughs> and would give it the old ho right after he started it? <laughs> I he guarantee you he did it. But there's no, I mean, there's no <laughs> way he didn't ever, like, he <laughs> did two lines off that two on four, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. J- just to the point, though, uh, kayfabe and all this, this is the company that produces WWE 24 constantly where they show their guys interacting backstage. You can go on yeah. their YouTube channel and see it. It's not a big deal. Nobody yeah, and the cares. DVDs, too. I mean, y- you know, once you started doing those DVDs and stuff, too, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, okay, like Vince McMahon, when was it? Like, was it like 89 he admitted in a court of law or something? that Okay, the, the, this is all fake. It's predetermined, right? I think it was 1989. Yeah. Now, that's not to say if had this something like this happened in 1990 that it wouldn't have been a big deal. It probably would have been. As a matter of fact, I know it would have been. When did it, though, stop being a big deal, realistically? I'd say the Attitude Era, probably. Yeah. I mean, that's when it really... Don't you think that's when it, they really emphasize, like, this is really just to show we're not trying. That Vince did that famous promo where it's like, oh, it's not good guys versus bad guys and all that. Yeah, I a commercial. I'm trying to think. Because, like, okay. Brett and Owen were still selling their kayfabe feud in 94. Taking, like, I'm trying to think, like, so here's the big, like, when Austin and Vince, obviously that was, like, the biggest feud, right, in that era. Yeah. Did they do media together? Not that I remember. Like, because they, 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 there was a lot of like TV guide stuff, and like I can't even remember what those articles said. They were just like fluff pieces. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel it's like with those DVDs and stuff where they take you behind the curtain, and like you said, the twenty four seven special. I just, I just don't think it's a big thing anymore. Yeah, it's, what yeah, is it's, a big it's thing, twenty though? to thirty years. It's, it yeah. hasn't been a big deal. Go ahead. Did you, you guys notice this? So it Braun Strowman went all Sean Stasiak through that ambulance door in the angle where you like, I thought that looked so preposterous. That was an issue. And I don't think the ambulance door was supposed to break because when they were showing the replay on raw, they did not show him busting through it and going into the boxes. Like he was Sean Stasiak. <laughs> did you, did anyone else like, am I the only one who caught that? Like, I didn't, I didn't notice that live. Yeah. Like they, they had it like, Oh, he hit the ambulance door and bounced. they did not show him just because it looked kind of like a, like I laughed when he did it, when he ran through the door <laughs> in the boxes. I was like, what was that? Yeah. Like, I don't think that was supposed to happen. Yeah, he can't swell quite sell quite like Roman can. <laughs> A few can in the history of the business. So yeah, Roman walking off after that match with the blood and everything, that was very well done, you know, for for all the Roman Reigns critics out there. He did a hell of a job selling the ending of that match. Wasn't it me a couple weeks ago in this program who said they're going the Tommy Dreamer route with Roman Reigns? Oh, no, they definitely are. No I mean, doubt yeah, about it. I mean they, they want you to think Roman's hardcore, man. And if I'm not mistaken, they've done this with them before. 
where Roman was getting beat down a lot. I feel like well, there was screwed. remember that Royal Rumble where they like just had him like he kind of just walked to the back and yeah. then like came back up. That was poorly done. Th- this was good. And it, it, are they going to beat him again at Extreme Rules? I think is the big question now because if if Strowman's getting the next title match, it makes sense to have Strowman over and and I guess it's going to be an ambulance match. Well, it's not. You know, we had talked about maybe they would do that for. A payback. I understand why they didn't. They didn't want two gimmick matches on top, but um, man, I, I could see it being an ambulance match at Extreme Rules. That's a gimmick pay-per-view, and it's a way to beat Reigns, like we talked about, without pinning him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I if they're if they're hell bent on the the Tommy Dreamer angle, like we're talking about, I mm-hmm. I think Strowman has a pretty good chance to win again. I don't think. I don't think the sympathy bit is going to work like they want it to, though. I don't think Roman is going to get that baby face pop for the guy. Pe- people start no, feeling it will sorry. Never, he will never get a universal. People have just made up their mind with it, and he's never getting a universal baby face. No, I th- yeah, I think what it's going to do is continue to get uh, Strowman over more as a strong baby face. Strowman is getting reactions that they want Reigns to get right now. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So... I think it's just going to continue to to build Strowman, and the word is he's going to wrestle Brock in July, which is going to be, I think, Brock's first title defense coming up. So. And here's the thing. Who's the baby face in that scenario? Like, the way we're talking, and I think logic dictates it'll be Braun. I don't think that's set in stone. No. I Yeah, I think Braun's going to get cheered in that match. I think people are sick of Brock Lesnar. At what pay-per-view is that, by the way? In July, Great balls of fire! Great balls of fire! My God, what a terrible, terrible! You know, pay-per-view. when I heard that, I was like, "This has got to be the worst name for a pay per view." <laughs> and then I kind of thought about it. I'm like, you know what? I saw the reaction on Twitter. You know, you know what's kind of a bad name for a pay per view? Besides Great Balls of Fire. Besides Great Balls yeah. of Fire. <laughs> <laughs> like vengeance and like all these like you know at least great balls of fire i mean i guess there's an argument to be made that's like just too stupid and too over the top but like these kind of like corporate buzzword names you know like payback backlash like what does that mean you know like yeah, that doesn't like it's not like it's like ooh backlash what does that mean like you know let me get yeah. fired like you know those names don't sell the show i mean great balls of fire might be a little <laughs> well, you know what? If if the pay per view was happening in like Memphis or something with the Jerry Lee Lewis connotation, maybe it would make sense a little bit. I could kind of pass it off as okay, all right. They're hitting it like Memphis rock and roll history. But where is it? Is it in like Houston or something? Yes. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. The, or no, the Dallas. Other, Dallas. It's Dallas. Dallas. Okay. The other way they can make it work is if it's a lethal lottery with the the participants fight in an inferno match or something, you know, you do the drawings with the balls and whoever gets the ticket, you know, um, I think they should gonna... just, I was going to say, I think they should just go full in on these 1950s rock and roll song pay-per-views. They could follow it up with like tribute to Chuck Berry and have WWE Maybelline in St. Louis and, uh, <laughs> WWE jailhouse rock in Memphis. And you why know not? Great. You know, what's gonna be great too is when they don't even like, there will be no mention of Jerry Lee Lewis, and it's gonna be like some shitty Shine Down song that, like, oh my song God. in his show. You know that's gonna be it. It just has a lyric in it or something. Jerry Lee Lewis, yeah. like, in like 2017 WWE pay per view. It's gonna be <laughs> so, know, something like so, Lips of an Angel. I, I did do a dive on song titles, trying to figure out what what song title would be the best for a pay per view, and, and I decided it's 
the next time Shane McMahon headlines a pay-per-view, the, the pay-per-view needs to be called uh, the title from the Crystal song. He hit me and it felt like a kiss. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. I saw Bruce Springsteen cover that song in St. Louis, Missouri in 2008. Wow. <laughs> then then, uh, then he kissed me. Yeah, the crystals. Wow, we are really getting into some old school Bruce rock and roll. You. I was like, wow, that's incredible. You and no, Courtney I, Cox. I would have put that on my wall. <laughs> no, so... Yeah, we, we, we've got a lot of uh, bizarre things going on in WWE these days, but it's, it's interesting. So yeah. with, with, the, with the Brock Braun match possibly on the horizon, I did like on Raw how you had um, Finn Balor, you know, talk about he's coming for his title. You had Seth Rollins, he wants in the title picture. So there's kind of a, a big mix mash going on and who's going to be the contender for the universal title. What's the end game here? I mean, how, how long is Brock Lesnar actually going to hold the belt? Because if, if it's me, I'm putting the belt on Braun Strowman this summer. And that's okay. And that's part of my concern with this possible Strowman Lesnar match at great balls of fire. Cause a lot of people, <laughs> sorry, this sounds crazy. when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people were upset. Me and Ryan included when, Strowman's uh, big monster push. He got defeated by Roman Reigns at uh, I don't know random at at Fastlane. Uh, hey, at, you okay. remembered if it was a Great Balls of Fire? That's right. <laughs> exactly. But so, wouldn't this be even worse if they've built Strowman up again, dominating Roman Reigns, and then he just gets beat by Lesnar? Isn't that worse than him just losing that first match? Yeah, to Roman? Because, well, Reigns is eventually going to get over in this feud against Strowman like so what's interesting is I thought like because right now they're 1-1 and you know um, I guess the ambulance or whatever it's going to be at Extreme Rules is the rubber match and if Strowman's doing I, I still think Reigns gets a win maybe it's at summer they, they blow up they do the blow off at SummerSlam but uh, I don't know I mean you, you know to my point earlier because I, I was far less critical of Strowman losing at fast lane and then look where he is at now. I mean, that loss didn't matter really. I mean, they yeah. reacted pretty good with the angle post mania, the ambulance angle. So, um, I'm, I'm just not interested in a year long Lesnar. I, I'm not either. And that, that is an issue. Um, another issue is beyond, cause I, I don't think they're going to put Strowman over Lesnar. I just don't. Um, I mean, we could all argue till we're blue in the face that they should. I just don't think they're going to do it. Do you see Vince doing a three-way where it's Brock versus Finn versus Seth and like SummerSlam because he doesn't believe that his audience will buy either of those guys having a chance to beat Brock Lesnar one-on-one? A hundred percent. I've had I had that exact same thought. I mean, Lesnar crushed Rollins. Uh, what was it? Two summers ago, uh, when. Rollins had the title and there's yeah, and he didn't beat him. Like that was when the undertaker came back. Yeah. yeah. And there's no way Vince is allowing a uh, tiny little Finn Balor to beat Lesnar, especially with some of the, the uh, reactions I've seen on Twitter. There's a lot of people that are down on Finn being able to actually beat Lesnar. Hey, if he did, the, if he brought the demon King thing out and Heyman sold it, I think you could get people to buy it. Yeah. I, I do. I, I buy it, but. Yeah, I, I think a triple threat makes sense at SummerSlam. But I, I can tell you this for a fact. Write this down. This is absolutely true. Um, what SummerSlam was it? What, what which year was it when Brock wrestled CM Punk? 2000, 
2013? Yes, 2013. Yeah, yeah. So that show did not do as well as SummerSlam the previous year when Brock had wrestled Triple H. Um, and even though Brock versus CM Punk, if you watch it, was was just a better feud. It, it really was. It did it, it it didn't draw as well. Um, now, granted, it was the semifinal on that show. Um, John, that was the John Cena Daniel Bryan match, which was also incredible. And Orton did the Money in the Bank cash in just to, to paint the picture here for people to remember. Vince feels that the reason this is true, this is a true story that I heard. The reason SummerSlam 2013 did not draw as well as 2012 was because people didn't buy CM Punk as having a realistic chance, a, a little guy like CM Punk of beating Brock Lesnar. And that's why he was never, he never wanted to do Daniel Bryan versus Brock Lesnar after that. As much as Bryan wanted to do that match, he, Vince McMahon never had any interest in doing Daniel Bryan, Brock Lesnar, because Vince has it in his head that, oh, who's going to believe this small guy is going to be Brock Lesnar? That's fucking pro wrestling. You can believe whatever you put in front of us. Yes. I think you have everything you need to back up your theory about a triple threat then because then there is absolutely no chance that Finn's going to beat him one-on-one. -on -one. Well, the only problem then is if... Well, whoever doesn't take the fall then I guess can get maybe a one-on-one -on -one match because you got, you got to have opponents for this guy. I mean, if he's going to hold it that long, I mean, you know... um, You know, if he's going to hold it for a freaking year... Yeah, which I think is a is a mistake. I, I don't know. To me, I would get the. Maybe I'm in the minority. I'd get the title on Roman as quick as possible. Just get it over with. That's what we we all know. That's what you want to do. Have Roman Reigns. Don't wait till WrestleMania. Have him beat Brock Lesnar before WrestleMania, and do Reigns versus Cena at WrestleMania. Well, at least that way you don't get the massive revolt of the uh, hardcore fans at Mania when it happens. You get the belt <laughs> on him earlier. Although, would there be a more interesting fan reaction match than Roman Reigns versus John Cena at a WrestleMania? <laughs> Can you? I mean, who would, would the crowd? I think I think John Cena would get the cheers from the hardcores on that I situation. I, would it be a Goldberg Lesnar situation, or would we get the dreaded "you both suck"? I mean, that. that I mean, I think we're getting close to the time, especially with all the time off that John Cena is taking, where he's going to start getting like the nostalgia pops. Even from the people that have been booing him for a decade. Wow. Or, or people are just more concerned with booing Reigns now than Cena. Yeah. Hmm. That would be a really interesting dynamic. I would look forward to the match just, mm -hmm. just to see that. Um, speaking of interesting dynamics, Chris Jericho made his exit on SmackDown this week. Well, that was a very interesting good segue there. <laughs> Talk show host. That's why they that's why they pay me the big bucks, you guys. Yeah. Uh so Jericho's out, and I, when he left, I began to think of a conversation that Justin and I had back when he started on Top Rope Nation. I think in, in January, maybe we had this discussion. Kyle was out for that show, and we talked about where does Chris Jericho rank in the all-time rankings of professional wrestlers? Like, does he, does he crack that top 10 after this he's, recent run? Um, is he in the top close, 20? So. I, I said at the time top 20 to me. That seems lofty. Top twenty, yeah. I, I think top twenty is reasonable. Like, 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 what are we going by? What's the criterion? So we, yeah, we had talked about that on that show, I believe. Um, but we were talking, you know, the, the typical things: having good matches, a long period of I mean, time. He was never really a, the top guy. The company never built 
even when he was the champion going into WrestleMania 18. No, yeah. You know, the company never, you know, built around was ever been built around Chris Jericho. Yeah. But he's a he is a decent mainstream star. People know him, especially after the Dancing with the Stars gig. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been, I guess, a main eventer to semi-main eventer now for what almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. Had incredible matches with a whole host of people. And this last run he had over the last year or so, like nobody like expected that to go back. Well I think I've liked this one the most. Although it yeah. got off to an ugly start um, at this time last year, the stuff with AJ and Dean Ambrose that wasn't very good. Yeah, let me let me make it all time WWE stars. Like, does he does he start cracking that top twenty, top twenty five? Because I think it's an WWE argument be just factoring yeah. in WWE. Mm-hmm. Well, he's he's certainly not like the top tier like he's like with wwe it's you know you've got the austin rock hogan san martino tier and then there's a a, you know and then there's a drop right there like those four are are way above everyone you put bret hart way below them yes so then you're going by like mainstream recognize i'm going by i mean yes hulk hogan and um bruno san martino were not tremendous workers but you know, in terms of like their, I'm just talking about their importance to the company, I guess. So why can't you look at, judge these guys based on like you would like a, a baseball player? Like if they're, they have different tools, like, okay, drawing power is nice, but Although can they put on good like, matches and how good is their character? Oh no, I would agree. And then, then you're looking at like a team. I mean, you've got guys like, you know, I'm just, I'm just, you know, in terms of, um, cause he's not, you know, the, the interesting thing with Jericho is, the reason he was brought over, like he was like one of the first guys brought over from WCW, it wasn't because of his work in the ring, actually. It was because people thought, um, you know, his he could get over with, with his ability on the mic. That That's always the great irony. Like he was always considered kind of maybe a step below the Benoits and the Guerreros of the world yeah. in the ring. And he, and he was a step below those. I mean, it's not a huge step, but I don't know. I, I would put him... You know, I mean, he's below guy. I mean, in terms of like star power, he's obviously below guys like The Undertaker and, you know, like Andre the Giant, like the special attraction type guys. Um, Top 25, I don't know. Brett and Sean, I think, are more important than Chris Jericho was. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like just drawing out a list here. And I, I know what you're saying, but like the tiers. So you got like Austin Rock, Hogan, Bruno there at the top. And then I think like a tier right below that, I'd kind of have like Piper, Savage, Brett, Sean. Yeah, Piper and Sa- Yeah, you got to have Piper and Savage up there. Yeah. And I think Taker and Cena are kind of like... Cena should, Cena's absolutely more important, yes. Yeah, those two are kind of right in that area too. So that gives us like 10 guys right there. And well, Jericho definitely doesn't break into well, that group. Is he not really even close to Piper? Like all the other no. guys you mentioned, I totally agree, but he's not close to Piper. With Piper I, was huge for like five years he was just so yeah but he was so big in in breaking through the mainstream in the 80s yeah okay but then what about match never, quality the, the key in wrestling is the peak i mean i mean if it, it, i mean if you can hit the highest of the highs you can excuse the lowest of the lows i, I have a buddy who i always argue like albums with like quality of like albums like he like is very unforgiving of like a terrible track on an album, but I'm like, well, you know, okay, yeah, that song sucks. But if you have like 
two songs on an album that are like fucking phenomenal, then I'll, I'll take one that sucks, you know, rather than a consistent album. Um, Roddy Piper's height is much higher than Chris Jericho's height. But it's, I guess it's like the Magic Johnson, Larry Bird comparison, whereas Magic's high is way, or no, excuse me. I don't think that's the right analogy. Bird's no, high was probably bad. better, but Magic's career was longer. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't think I don't think Jericho had a better career than Roddy Piper. Man, this is but, this is where ranking wrestlers gets hard because you, you get to tr- like you started out asking Kyle like what's the criteria? Yeah, yeah I mean it's a lot because, of what you're looking look, at. If you're gonna tell me like who I prefer, like personally, I mean Roddy Piper had some like terrible like the son of an unnamed goat shit was like really <laughs> bad. Like that's really really bad. Like I'll be honest with you. See, now I'm thinking about this because, like, Roddy Piper really, like, I did like that little run he had in 91, 92 when he won the Intercontinental title. I liked that. Me too. But for the most part, like, after 1989 when he came back, God, like, babyface Roddy Piper was, ugh. And, like, in WCW and stuff, I think he, like, did a not joke in 1998, which isn't good. I don't know. But all I know is Jericho's been more relevant for a longer period of time. Yeah, that's true. Has he? I don't know. Piper, Roddy Piper, if he walked out tomorrow on Raw, you'd get a huge reaction. Well, yeah, but think about if Jericho walked out on Raw 20 years from now. Yeah. Oh, that I'll tell you what, that list thing, man, he can live off that. He doesn't even have a good match anymore. <laughs> yeah. And that's I, the, I, I was just going to say... That's key to this run, too, because his ring work, this was the first time his ring work had slipped noticeably. Oh, like yeah. Mm-hmm. Jay and Dean, and you could tell, um, you know, that list thing was a real godsend for him. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think Jericho in the top 20 for me, because when I'm, I'm looking at this list, I've been sketching out, and we, we just went through it a minute ago with the, the different tiers. And if I go from that second tier, then down another tier, at that point, I'm looking at Triple H, and I'm looking at Jericho. Yeah, so here's the interesting. There's always that argument. Like if you go back to the early part of the of the uh, century, like when Triple H got his monster push, right? People are like, "Oh, that's you know, that's bullshit, man." When Triple H got all these favors, you know, what about Angle? What about Jericho? And and you know, I think Angle and Jericho did deserve a little bit better during that time period, but I don't think either of them would have necessarily gotten any more over than Triple H did. Yeah, I think. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, Triple H. There was somebody that needed to be in that void, and they picked Triple H. And be, you know, and it, guess what? It turns out that he's now married to Vince McMahon's daughter. So, um, it was going to be him. He so, was, I mean, he was on his way before the Stephanie relationship. I think you can make an argument he stayed on top longer because of that relationship. Yes. But he was going to get there regardless. Yes, and I don't think if you would have put Chris Jericho and Triple H, like you know, I'm not saying that he's with Stephanie. I'm just saying if you would have put if you would have just not pushed Triple H in late 99. That's crazy, by the way, that line. Um, <laughs> J.J. Abrams over here. Yeah. <laughs> if you would if you would have put Chris Jericho as the main event heel late, starting late 99, and there was an argument back then, too, when he came over. I mean, that was a hot debut he had on Raw. Oh, wait, that was one of the greatest debuts of all time. Yeah. If you put him as the main event heel, I don't think his career is necessarily any better than Triple H's is right now. I just don't. They, they needed a main event heel. They chose Triple H. That's it. If you guys don't know, if you don't know what Kyle was talking about a second ago, 
you need to watch our shows on YouTube. Of course, you can always listen to the podcast, but these shows go up on YouTube every week. Uh, Justin has a new microphone, as we talked about, and he is... He's got the light, and it's like flashing. It looks like a lightsaber almost or something going on right now on his webcam. So, uh, yeah, check us out. By the way, subscribe on YouTube. Look up Top Rope Press or just look up Top Rope Nation. Find the shows. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Then you'll never miss the webcast versions of the shows either. So, uh, guys, I want to wrap this show up. We've gone on a while. You guys have any closing thoughts before we head into the weekend this week? I have one. Go ahead. I have two actually two now that i think about it my first one is i have to get my sting comparison out yeah i, I got that written down on my sheet here I okay to hear it. charlotte and becky lynch on smackdown when you talk about the smackdown women's division charlotte is a baby face very very interesting moving forward this is what's going to happen charlotte's going to be your dad becky lynch is going to be sting charlotte will bring becky and all to trust her and then she's going to turn on her i think that's the that's your uh big angle moving forward and the only other thing i have left to say uh, and before I turn it over to Justin, Mitch Trubisky, give oh, me a break. Oh, man. no, don't even start that. Once, you see how much praise that pick has been getting from the big names lately? What? Bill, Bill, Polian, Bill Polian recently what? was talking about what a big great move. Uh, we were we, just we, mad because your Cleveland Browns didn't get their guy. I, first of all, they're not my Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns could fall into Lake Erie for all I care. <laughs> and they could go back to 31 NFL teams. Mitch, what, what timeline? Bill Polian? That tool with his little salute? I hate Bill Polian. He is one of the greatest general managers in recent NFL history. I don't like him. <laughs> you can't deny that. He is a, a like great mind for talent. What are they always hey, I, don't, I don't know how this pick's going to end up, but I admire the team. Bill Trubisky? You don't know what's going to happen. You might be laughing at yourself on YouTube in five years. Well, that's probably a team that passed on Aaron Rodgers. Oh, that was geez. stupid. Is Aaron Rodgers now all of a sudden? Oh, boy. No, I'm not saying that, but nobody knew at the time Aaron Rodgers was going to be Aaron Rodgers. I did. That's why like 20 plus teams passed on him. To any of our wrestling fans who are already bored by this conversation, I had to listen to them go back and forth on through text message for like an hour. <laughs> You know, I, I told Kyle Feel my pain. I, I told Kyle because you know I'm very down on my Chicago Bears, but I told Kyle that night I'm not mad about them giving up a couple mid round picks to get a guy that they believe is the quarterback of the future. Now, if he ends up the quarterback of the future, it's a great trade. If he doesn't, it's a bad trade, but we won't know for years. So it's kind of stupid to debate at this point. You're telling nobody me. knows. Nobody knows what's gonna happen. So and they did, did get back Trubisky? They did get back. Um, I think all but one of those picks they traded when they traded down in the second somebody. round. I did see that. So, who knows? I'd much rather watch him play than uh, Glennon. So, we'll and who also happens. knew that LeVar Ball would not be the stupidest sounding person in America on March 4th or May 4th, 2017. Did you see his shoes and how much those are going to cost? Yeah, he's like, you're not a big baller if you don't buy if you don't have enough money for these. What an out of touch tweet that! <laughs> Be ashamed of yourself. Uh, Justin, I'm going to bring you out of your boredom. Any closing thoughts? Just two very quick ones. Number one, shout out to my Tottenham Hotspurs and any of our English listeners. Saint Totteringham's Day is officially canceled this year. And finally, goodness gracious, great balls of fire, <laughs> Jerry Lee. <laughs> Hit the music. That is definitely going on the podcast, by the way. 
Hopefully we don't get sued over that. But you're going to hear a little Jerry Lee Lewis if you haven't heard it already. All right, guys. We're going to wrap it up. As always, check us out on TopRopePress.com. Look us up on iTunes. Patreon.com slash Nation. Check you guys next week. Peace. Great balls of fire. Kiss the baby. Feels good. Hold me, baby. Well, I want to love you like I love a shoe. Oh, you're fine. So kind. Got to tell this world that you're mine, mine, mine.